podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Another podcast in the can. Another one clocked off for the season. Nicely Finished. done. Well done, Nice to have yeah, thanks, Stuart. We had Stuart Roy, Roy Clark on, famous photographer from Very famous homes, photographer. Of, homes of Football. He's got loads of followers, you know, on Twitter. Yeah, it was a privilege to have him on chatting about this and that of uh, his antics this season. Um, what else did we talk about, Mark? We talked about the hottest topic of the year so far, which is Derby County's drinking culture. <laughs> Uh, talked about that for a bit, talked about uh, how good Leicester are and how bad Newcastle are. Jesus yeah. Christ, they are bad, aren't they? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, that tackle, we didn't talk about that. The tackle, the Isaac Hayden tackle, did you see it? No. I folded him in half, it was awful. Deck chaired him. Really bad, yeah. It was a really bad one. And he was complaining, he was going off the pitch complaining, like, mate, well, if that... they review that, it would have been two or three red cards. Red mist come down, didn't it? Mm, it was red a bad mist. one. Uh, the we... guy he fouled is called Pratt. A little oh. nugget of information for you there. That's lovely. As if only they had the names on the back of this shirt. Yeah. Well, you couldn't see it because it was folded in half. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good stuff. That's why I'm here. Uh, podcast is good, though. Listen to it. If you like it, tell your friends, share it around, do what you've got to do. Uh, a little side note, Martin is wearing a really nice sort of uh, am- Thanks, an- animal uh, skin. Listen to the pod. Uh, Adidas top tonight. Really good. Welcome to The Whistleblowers, and I am genuinely delighted to say that it is the return of the prodigal son, Martin Gritton. He's back. Martin. Thanks, Mark. Um, I can, I did genuinely detect pleasure in your voice there. It's not, it's yeah? just, it's, well, maybe something, something I'm not used to hearing. It's pleasure. It's excitement. It's excitement. It's good to have you back, man. It's where where have you been? Uh, I, I just went down to Cornwall for a bit, and then I've been doing some commentary, okay. football commentary for some old teams, so... It's been good fun, been good out on the road, but always lovely to come back. Any more amazing sort of nuggets of commentary like we've heard a few weeks ago? Uh, well, it's cake time, isn't it, really, because it's ten yeah. games in. Remind us, remind us of the, the aforementioned commentary. The in- uh, what did you say in the game? Something like it, they've got all the ingredients are there, but let's, let's taste the cake after, after Leon, producer Leon's laughing there at me. <laughs> well, it's always disconcerting that's i was i genuinely being serious so let's taste the cake as you were saying that plymouth, line of the plymouth cake is like a fig roll at the moment right it's mid-table so you have sure to extend nice. this you have to extend this well, analogy have to. Is, i feel it yeah. i feel i owe it to the analogy and it's, it's that sort of quality output we've been missing on the podcast but luckily he's back <laughs> he's refreshed and hopefully he's raring to go is that right sure, yep sure am uh, and i think no better place to start with our new raring to go attitude than uh my beloved Derby County, who have endured quite a tough week, I would say. Uh, raring to go around the corner. Uh, let's not make light of drink driving, Martin. No. Uh, let's, let's quickly uh, recap what happened. Uh, if you don't know, I'm sure you do, but the Derby County players went out for a, a club-sanctioned bonding meal. Cabs were laid on for them at 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever it was. And some of the players decided to not take those cabs and instead stay on have a few more drinks, and then what happened, happened. Um, but I want to ask you about this, Martin, because you're an ex-pro, yeah. and also, I hope you don't mind me saying this, you like a drink. Occasionally. You love a drink. As, as far as I've known you, it's mainly been... Well, it's on occasion. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's... The, the, the listeners can't, well, I'm can't looking, hear you winking. Well, I'm currently looking for a job. Let's not uh, <laughs> focus on um, that. But no, you, go on. Yeah, but what I was going to say is, this isn't something that ever really went away, is it? The drinking culture of the 90s. I don't know. You know, the Arsenal Wenger coming in, changing everything. Well, it's interesting you say that, because I think the culture 
I think it has changed dramatically. I think what you do get is though you get the old old, old pro, and ironically, because I remember Keo when he was at Bristol City, I remember, and just like one of the younger, one of the older younger ones. Do you know what I mean? He always seemed like a senior member of the squad, even when he was young. But I didn't play with him, but I just heard a lot about him. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's but, got great attitude. Yeah, as well. great yeah. attitude, wonderful. But so it's all horrible to see things like that happen. But you know, when you got a few older pros that are from those days, we always used to. Yeah, it was, it was a strange mentality. Even when I finished, I finished playing at Stockport, and Diddy Haman, I remember him coming in. We were bottom of the league, and he came in, and you just and he, he had a you know he had a different attitude towards management, but at the same time he came in and was like, there was not there weren't many positives, and you're like, well, do you know what lads? Do you know what we need? And we're like, right, we're going on a boot camp, or we're going to get absolutely drilled because we're bottom of the conference and we've just come down from League Two. Yeah, and he was like, do you know what we need? We need a good piss up. We need a piss up, and we're like. Okay, so <laughs> he took us to he took us to a bar, and we we walked in the bar, and it was like, hey, all the bar stuff, I'm like did he, did he? And we were like, okay, first so, yeah, like, and cheers. we were drinking like sambukas at like one p.m. Uh, so oh, you're God. just like, God, oh, this has got a bit, but th- that's just a mark of maybe his carryover. And there was a few senior pros that we, were, but the younger lads were like. Not entirely sure about this. And I think the mentality's changed massively now. I think that you know, young pros and people that are coming through in the game—it's just not part of their psyche. But, but, but there are, but there are none of those old pros in that derby squad. We've got, we've got old pros. We've not got any hangovers. Excuse the pun from Keo. the from the previous. No, but Keo wasn't. Keo's only thirty three, thirty four. Yeah, it's but, not like he was around in the late nineties. When he was playing, 18, when he was eighteen and playing for senior squads at like Bristol City and place older. It's fifteen you know, years ago. Yeah, so when those you lads think that are still fifteen there? years older than uh, okay. so forty eight year old blokes, are, you know that were right. back then. So, so do you think you, about it? You can have a carryover. Yeah, sure. Do there you, is some, so there's know. an overlap enough that you, yeah. you think it could. Oh yeah, yeah. Pass down, yeah, pass yeah, the yeah. bat on down through the. And you get managers that kind of they don't encourage boozing because the last thing they want is a player to horrendous things to happen and that was a real brutal thing and I don't want to focus on Keo at all because that's not that's not the point I'm making I'm just saying there's you know clubs are going to still have that element but that takes it to, that's still irresponsibility that's you know that's, yeah, caused, I mean, that's cost them this is the thing is, is, is Keo I mean I'm not, I'm not defending any of this stuff but he's not the real problem here he, he got into the car with someone who'd had too many drinks and I think I think Everyone at some point in their life has made the mistake of getting into a car with someone who's had too many drinks, who had yeah. more, more drinks than them. Keo is the club captain, he should know better, but let's not pretend that he is absolutely, he is the reason for this. And by the way, I know it's like rival club and there's banter accounts and whatever floating around, but the amount of almost gleeful things I've seen about Keo potentially ending his career mm. is absolutely insane. Yeah, this, this, this is a guy who got into a car, made a mistake, he wasn't driving it, and he might have ended his career. I don't know why you can be happy about that. If this was a Forest player, a Leeds player, any rival no club, compassion. I wouldn't be happy about there's that. There's no compassion on social media. And also, this is a very dark start. To it. So if things, are st- if things are still genuinely under investigation, we should probably move on for now and come back to it in a bit. But you're right, the mentality towards drinking, I would say has changed for the better. I'd say fans' mentality online is only going to get worse until it's shut down. These two weeks you've not been here, have you been in a, sort of a court of law learning <laughs> intricacies October, of... <laughs> I just know that I don't really want to, I don't really want to go... And a podcast was cited in the... Uh... <laughs> well, we said nothing wrong, I don't think. Uh, but we can move on, and I want to move on staying with Derby because the result on Saturday against Birmingham City at home went 2-0 up came back to two-all. They then had a penalty against us. They could have you know, gone 3-2 up against Derby. 
And the character that they showed after what's been a really tough week at Derby, I thought was unbelievable. Like, to go and actually win that game in the end. Because that, that's a turning point there. There's a real uh, pivotal moment in the season there. If they lose that game after the week they've just had, hmm. when this is going to be a slightly easier yep. fixture run, it would have been absolutely catastrophic. Hmm. And actually... They've shown some real grit. They come through it, and uh, fair play to uh, yeah. to Derby. Yeah, there you go, Philip Koku's team. How's he doing? You happy with him? I'm happy with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Give, give, give it time. Yeah, I'd rather. Yeah, Derby. I'd rather just... It's a Derby way, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> stop sacking the manager every nine months. What's the point? Let's move on. Let's move on to just just down the road or up the road, Leicester. Leicester's just down the road. Yes. Yeah, so yes, yeah, it's not far away. So if you're got, if you're allowed like to miles. talk about your club then and mm. Leicester should be my adopted club because why? Brendan Rodgers Brendan Rodgers leaving why Celtic why are you so obsessed with Brendan Rodgers I just, why wouldn't you be look at him yeah exactly just, that's what I'm saying he's phenomenal because you, you got one selfie with him is that what it is L- listen you know that's that's <laughs> a long time ago um, the uh, the Leicester performance was something special I know Newcastle were particularly yeah but you can only beat who, you, who you're playing right I think we it? said it last week on the podcast uh, you know with the Newcastle Member of the podcast team yes. in. We were pretty damning in our um, review of what was to come. And I yeah. think we were pretty bang on. I think so, yeah. I mean, a few players have come out afterwards, after that 5-0 thrashing at Leicester, and, and, and have said, Andy Carroll straight after the game said, we gave up. And Sean Longstaff, I think I read it this morning, said that it was just embarrassing to be out there. And that is the worry. that we're, At that point, we weren't even in October yet. To have players giving up. I say you're five nil down. and You've got twenty minutes left. Well, you still got. You just got to keep running. You got to keep doing something. Well, you must have had it in your career where you're getting tonked with plenty of time left. Yeah. Just I, for your own personal pride, you can't give up, can you? No, but the problem is that there's a mentality that's set, and also you get the feeling that Mike Ashley. I mean, it's almost you get the manager you deserve sometimes. And as much as Steve Bruce is loving it, he's not really. Well, sorry, loving being there because it's it's you know part of him growing up yeah, and part of his personality but at the same time if you're looking for uh, someone to do a closing down sale of a football club then I mm. think uh, this could be it the writing's got to be on the wall I mean it's taken it, it's taken a few years of them clinging on and uh, th- this sort of rude awakening but I don't know if Mike Ashley would hang around for the parachute payments. I don't know what he would do in the, the championship, you know. So it's it's a weird one. And it's too early to talk about that. But it's just a pretty de- depressing it's a state of affairs. situation. Yeah. But I've got to say, like, I think Newcastle have been okay at times this season. Mm. I think the game against Leicester was obviously just awful. But they had a player sense off. They, they were terrible up to that point. It was anyway. a perfect storm. It was a perfect though. storm. But they were bad all game for the whole ninety, even before the yeah. sending off. But, but it is the only time this season so far that I've seen as an outsider looking in and thought, "Christ, they look bad." Mm. I mean, the game away at Spurs, there was an absolutely perfect away Premier League performance. Yep, played to the strengths, hit on the break, looked all right. Jolinton in other games has looked pretty good. Looked awful against Leicester. Yeah, I, I think I think they might still be. I don't think they'll go down for some reason. I've got I've got. Well, let's, let's talk about Leicester for a bit, because I think everyone else has been talking about them. But at the same time, the quality that they've got in their team. And that was know. all without Madison, who might be their best player. This is it. I mean, their midf- some of their midfielders, and Ed Tielemans, incredible. Vardy's just still looks brand new up front, you know. Yeah, Johnny Indiana Evans at the back. Yeah. Just Sorry, colossal. Looks great. Yeah. Schmeichel's decent. The whole spine's good. Maybe the two, maybe the two best fullbacks outside of Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. Chilwell and uh, Pereira. I mean, who else, who, else is there? who else is in that conversation? Ooh. Fullbacks. Who have Man City got? 
I mean, Kyle Walker, I suppose. Yeah, but Zinchenko maybe doesn't match up to that. No, uh, but I mean, Cancelo, I can't believe he's not getting a game yet. He's yeah, looking, does he? No, he hasn't. Um, but yeah, no, listen, Leicester have got quality from back to front, and there's a few players still to fire for them. We were talking about Jose Perez and mm. a few people that, are, you know, he was probably watching on from the bench going, thank God I'm not in Newcastle anymore. Yeah, he must have been, well, this, my decision has been justified by this mm. first half performance on its own. Um, let's say you were going to put a bet on now. For top four, is mm. Leicester in the mix for you? Oh, um, or do you think one of the so-called bigger clubs is going to yeah, pull out a run? I just, I don't think. I think Leicester. I think that their problem is going to be strength and depth when you when you're going through the Christmas period and after that when you're playing against the top six and the games start coming thick and fast. But we said it, this in the... Well, we didn't, but it was said yeah. during the, the the Premier League winning title. No, no, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, though, for the psyche... Their, that, their psychology of that win didn't really get... De- the dents didn't come. And in actual fact, every win just galvanised them further until they became, like, mm. this mythical team that was just, like... They were horrible to play against. All of the players yeah. were playing out of their skin. Like, Christian yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuchs and pl- players that had never... Got near that again, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, you look at it and say, um, but all it will take is a couple, I would say a whipping from mm. City at Christmas time or something, and then you, you know, you could go in a little tricky run. Yeah. I just think the other teams are going to be stronger around them. You started this uh, topic by talking about Brendan Rodgers. Mm. Do you think that this run of form now has justified his decision to leave Celtic when he did? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he had to leave, and and it just, it just vindicates him in making the right decision because I think Leicester, uh, we've, we've probably all seen the um, comparisons about their scouting and what they've made on players. You know, you look at players like Kante, you look at players like, well, the, what, even the ones they've kept, like Vardy. Yeah, Maguire, obviously. Um, just the, the business that the club has done in, in bringing players through you know, finding players and then yep. making a you know massive profit on them. So it's, it's such a well-run club that I think that vindicates Brennan's decision. Well, this is what was sort of very apparent in the Newcastle game was, yes, the result was 5-0 on the pitch, but it felt like a, a culmination of how Newcastle are run off it compared to how Leicester are run off it. Yeah, think- and you see the results on the pitch right in front of you there. And we were all delighted to make that comparison because I feel sorry for the fans of Newcastle just with the way things have gone for them over the last few years and losing someone of the calibre of Rafa, losing players that they've lost. Um, you know, uh, you look at players like Rondon, we, we marked them out as guys that were, you know, difference makers for yeah. them over, you know, just that quality that you, you do that need edge. one of. Yeah, because it's like Palace. Palace needs Zaha, you know, and there's there's been some big performances. When you look at West Ham, it's, I mean, that goes unsaid. They did take a bit of a batter in midweek against Oxford, but I'll put that down to being a young team in the Carabao. But uh, I, don't, I don't even look at those results. Nah, you know? no, I, don't, I, I, I look at the results, but I don't. I don't have any stock do, in it. Your father, you know, you got better things to do. More <laughs> better stuff. It's just different stuff. More different stuff. Um, but West Ham, West Ham are someone that I admire. Uh, you know, that looking at what they've done in terms of what they've added, and maybe just a slightly different dimension to their play. But it's nice to see West Ham fans having something to cheer about because they've not had a lot to sing about for a while. Yeah, I mean. Traditionally, uh, you know, I'm what am I mid thirties? Growing up, West Ham have always been a big side, and I think they should be in the mix for maybe not top four, yeah. top six, but certainly top eight, top ten. They should they should always be there in, in my yeah. view. Yeah. And I think they've got a really exciting sort of front six now. And the likes of Declan Rice shoring all that up is yeah, just yeah, yeah. it's good to see. I'm, I'm pleased they're doing well. Although they're not the family club that we're led to believe. Well, yeah. Well, let's go. I mean, we, we haven't even touched on United, and we know that. You well, let's like do that. Let's do that, that after the break. So I think cool. that's uh, a whole new talking point. Uh, right, we'll take a break now. Yeah, that's it. Go on then. 
All right, welcome back, guys. It's the uh, second half of the Whistleblowers. Uh, delighted to say we've got a guest uh, with us who's um, kind of an iconic football photographer through the years, uh, and some of you may have seen his recent stuff at the, the Football Museum. Um, I'd like to introduce Stuart Roy Clark. Stuart, how are you? I'm fine, actually. I was going to be, it's midweek, I was going to be at either Lincoln v Manchester United on 21s or Leamington v Hereford, but they're both off, so... Both off. I'm sat in a, I'm sat in a hostelry in Louth. But, oh, uh, nice. I've, the I've dream. About, yeah, I've been to about 28 matches already this season in two months, so I think I've got a fair vision of the lay of the land, if you like. Yeah. I was going to say, whereabouts, whereabouts is it taking you? Because I know that you live, you're, you're based up in, in the Louth area, but I suppose there's plenty of clubs within a couple of hours from there. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in between two of your old clubs, Martin. Hmm. Lincoln and Grimsby, um, that's where I'm based. People know me from the Lake District, where I was for nearly 30 years, and probably Carlisle was the club that I was the most associated with. But, um, you know, the homes of football, which has been my lifelong well, seemingly lifelong, 30 years I've been doing it, it was always about big clubs, small clubs, uh, sideways clubs, odd clubs, upside down clubs. The smorgasbord. Together, if you like. Yeah. So this season I've been to, officially I've been to two premiership matches only, Sheffield United, Leicester, Palace Wolves last weekend. Leeds Derby felt like a premiership, you know, affair, if you like. And then uh, Rangers Celtic. But the best match of all in terms of atmosphere and everything you could want a match to be with only something like 12, no, 14,000 crowd, I think, was Dundee United v Dundee, which is actually in the second tier of Scottish football this, this time around. Still quite, still quite iconic clubs, though, for uh, north of the border, aren't they? <clears throat> well, you know, you're Scottish, you know that the land um, probably better than most, but the, the teams walk to the other dressing room, you know. So if it's, as this was, Dundee United were at home, Dundee walked the 80 metres literally from their own dressing room, the whole team and coaches and everybody down the road, and the fans sometimes <laughs> walk beside them. And in a few weeks' time, when the, when the fixture is reversed, they've got the other way. And that sort of sets the tone. So I won't go on, which I could in the whole of the time <laughs> that we're talking about, about one match, but... You know, sometimes things like a match like that, which I thought was going to be good, but I couldn't have quite been prepared how good it would be on a rainy night in Scotland. It was just terrific. Uh, well, I was going to say you, you touched upon homes of football, and that's that's perhaps where some people might know you from without necessarily knowing your name from from Twitter, because it's mm. uh, you post a lot of imagery from a lot. Well, the focus being the fans, the club, you know, the setting of some of these iconic clubs. Um, we were just, you know, talking about old football cultures in the first half, slightly different topic being drinking culture perhaps than, than the actual fan group. But I suppose it's, it's similar because it's just, just how football's changed over the years. You know, in terms of who you've gone to visit this season, comparing it to, to clubs that you covered back in the 80s and 90s and to the 2000s, how, how have you found it? Grimsby Town, which is the club closest to me in many ways at the moment, I can go there a lot. I'm doing a bit in the programmes. I don't feel they've changed too much. Okay, they're lower status, but I don't think they've changed too much in the 30 years. You know, the fans come in sometimes quite close to kick-off just because they've come from work or whatever, and they kind of go all over the ground. I know it sounds an odd, odd concept, that, but they come in at a certain entrance, but you're not quite sure where they're going to land up, which stands... They could land up, you know, almost 100 metres away. Whereas some grounds, it's that kind of orderliness, which 
is different from years, years of old, which is, you know, you come through this turnstile and then you kind of go and get food from that bit and then you go and sit there and you have to stay in that position the whole game. I sound like I'm pretty down on that. Well, I'm not if it's a good game, but if it's a bad game and you're sat next to someone you don't like much, um, <laughs> you know, there's not room for any manoeuvre. And, and, you know, when people say to me, oh, standing up versus sitting, I would say, well, I love them both, you know, it wasn't actually wrong that we tried to do grounds up and improve them and give a, a different experience. But, you know, you need those, one needs those grounds, be it Sunderland Stadium like them, to be pretty full, um, to have the atmosphere of those old kind of ramshackle grounds where just by people being free to move around a, a bit, you know, perhaps head to some uh, slightly dicey moments at times, but edgy atmosphere, but it was also kind of very real. Uh, we talked about how the culture of the game has changed. How has your job changed over those years? W- compare your first camera to the camera you're using now. How, how much easier is that? Well, this is a very easy answer because it's the same one. So, um, <laughs> so Mark, you haven't got me on that one. Um, I'm using this old, uh, it's either like a box brownie, if someone, people want to picture that, or a slightly cheaper version of the camera that went to the moon, the Hasselblad. It, it's, it's kind of cost between those, if you like. So it's wow. an old box camera, a film camera. And I've dabbled a little bit with some other cameras along the way. Uh, they can't touch it. So 30 years of consistency with me of using the same equipment. But in that time, some of the stalkers I knew who were the same age are using things they never could have dreamed of. And they sit there with laptops under those hoods, you know, in the pouring rain, sending images back to editors, and, and they're sending 3,000 pictures during the game. So they would never have known that in the early 90s, that that would be their fate, and that's what they would do. And sometimes I feel, well, they're not missing action, but, you know, they're having to kind of look at what's on their screen. And, you know, I just kind of, if I make it sound easy, but I just amble around and take 30 or 40 pictures in the whole game in sort of eight hours of being at a club. And... You know, most of those are pretty good, um, I say myself, and they're all pretty useful to have. I haven't really got to do much editing. So, it hasn't, for me, it hasn't changed, but for everyone else it has. And for the young generation, they never knew this era of film cameras. It's always been digital. Yeah. Where, uh, where are you off to next anyway Stu we're just, um, we were just talking about Premier League clubs this season and, and some of the matches have you, have you been to any, have you visited any recently, are you, are you going to any soon? Well yeah it was Palace and Wolves I know a week ago but the one I'm going to, to well you know this midweek if you like I say two matches that I could have gone to tonight have both been called off the one I'm going to this week is Brentford and Bristol City now both those clubs are interesting clubs because you feel the time will come when one of those at least will get in the Premiership yeah you'd say so this season. yeah the build up yeah, from Brentford kind as well. of, yeah exactly Bristol City not a giant, but they're sleep- they've been sleeping all this time. And, and Brentford, you know, doing everything to nudge, nudge their way in the right direction with the new stadium, as you just said. You can see it as you drive past and you'll curve away. It looks amazing, the stadium. And I haven't, um, I haven't even been inside it yet to see it being built. So going to Griffin Park in its last season, it was a real joy. So I'm really excited about that one. And this is the way I am. You know, I can get as excited about that as Ben just leaning over to tell me that Real Madrid are losing at home. I'm probably yep. more interested in Brentford Bristol City. If I was going to that European match, I probably would be very interested in it. Listen, uh, just one last question. What you, anything you're up to, uh, the, obviously the Kosovo game, which you mentioned, uh, anything immediately for that the, the people can see your work at? Well, you know, 
when we're talking about how things have changed and cameras and things, one thing that has changed big time is that, you know, I always, when I started off, it was always about doing shows and books. It was the only way I could reach the public. This is end of the 80s, early 90s. That was the means of communication or get a feature in a, in a magazine. So now it's about um, the internet, really, and social media. So, you know, I'm quite big. I don't mean I've got a lot of followers, but I'm quite interested in Twitter. And I've got my own website, which is homesoffootball.co.uk. And, you know, you know this, Martin, what I'm trying to do this season, which I feel like people probably think, oh, haven't you always been doing that, like going around the whole lot? But not really. I'm trying to do the whole lot of the UK, as yeah. well as Kosovo and stuff, in one season. Utilita are great partners, you know. Um, this isn't an advert for them. They are just somebody who's got loads of clubs, loads of partnerships. And they love what I do. And they've loved me for years. And they said, can we, can we work together? And I said, yep, let's do it. So I'm off to a bit of a help there with, with a good partner. It used to be the Football Trust or Foundation, but that, you know, isn't happening anymore. It, it, it's them. So I'm trying to do the entire UK football landscape with the 2019-20 action. Nice. Well, we can find your work at, at is it at Homes, Homes of Football? Uh, well, yeah, so Twitter is at Homes of Football. Um, there's a bit of Instagram, which is at Stuart Roy Clark. Yeah. to think about that one. And then homesoffootball.co.uk has got the blog and everything else on it and the pictures that Lovely. I'm taking. Brilliant. Well, listen, thanks for joining us, Stu. It's great chatting to you. And uh, as I said, we'll be able to direct people to your work uh, on our Twitter when we put it out over the pod. Thanks to Stuart Roy Clark. That was nice to hear from him, wasn't it, Mark? Really nice to hear from him, yeah. Nice to have a different... A different... Slightly different voice on different the... Different voice of football, yeah. From a different th- audience, hopefully, as well. So, well, it's um, just part of football we never really talk about or think about is, no. is that whole industry. But yeah. it exists. With God pi- damn it exists. Yeah, the pictures are pretty cool and iconic. Yeah, I bet you... Whoever... That book you showed me was amazing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that fans will... Have, I'm sure they'll be able to find something from their own clubs yeah. if they have a look at, at Homes at Football. So that, that'll be on our Twitter. We'll, Plenty we'll link of it. properly classic matches, classic teams all reproduced beautifully. Uh, but... Last night, Martin, there was what is classically and traditionally a huge game in British football. Everyone was banging on about that, weren't they? Yeah. United versus Arsenal. Did it live up to expectation? Gritton, take it away. (laughs) Did it? (laughs) (laughs) What what an absolute shower. Ironic as the Lorraine pisses down outside us. It was just... I don't know what we were going to expect. I mean... You know, you would hopefully expect a little bit more from that Arsenal team, but Man United have been a mixed bag at best this season. They seem to be a, a perennial club, sort of shape. yeah, perennially in in transition. It seems it seems to be every eighteen months we get told, well, United are a building job. It's it, it'd be done in two years. Arsenal, on the other hand, I agree with you. I mean, they've got some genuine quality players in there. So it'd be nice, but less of them. But when you saw that team sheet, both both team sheets, you just thought. This is no longer that game, is it? And and it might at some point get back to that level, but at the moment it just feels like a maybe not mid mid level mid table, but certainly no higher than top six. Emery's, feel like. Emery's well into he's got his foot under the feet under the table now, and you would look at you look at the equivalent of people like Klopp who mm. go into clubs and get given the keys and go right do what you want, you know. Mm. And admittedly, maybe Klopp had maybe some more investment or inherited. Uh, they slightly, gave Klopp time. Yeah. Let's not forget, in that first but year, people four, were taking yeah. the piss because he was doing a, a lap of honour after a draw to West Brom. Yeah. But that's instilling a, a, a mentality into mm. that side. And I'm not seeing that from Emery. He's had three transfer windows now. Yeah, this is it. 
Um, and again, I'm, I'm not saying get rid of him. Some I think give people more time. Great, but, yeah. but it's difficult to see what their style of play is. I mean, United, you sort of know what they're doing. They are limited by by personnel. But that game last night, I mean, is everyone's hammered it rightly so. But I actually really enjoyed it still because I found it. Why to did be, you enjoy it, Mike? I liked it because it was pissing down in Manchester. Which is, which is what it's supposed to be in Manchester. Yes. It was two teams that weren't very good, and it felt very early like anything can happen in this game. There's going to be some terrible error or something brilliant is going to happen. And actually, both goals you can you put go. down to both of those categories. McTominay's goal wasn't befitting of that game whatsoever. It was a really lovely strike. And uh, Aubameyang's one was just a, a bad error. Maguire's not stepped out, and two and Zabies played it badly. Can I talk about that goal quickly? Yeah. Um... Flag's gone up for offside. He's three yards on. It's not even close. I don't know how the, ref, the assistant ref's got that wrong. When that linesman puts his flag up, though, the flag is up. Players can see the flag is up. And I think Ashley Young switches off a little bit. Yeah, no, no. It's actually, I did, yeah. That's, that was, a, he should not have... Why did he stop? Just yeah. continue. You'll get continue. something on it. Yeah. Roy Keane, and Roy Keane was the best bit about last night. Roy, he was outstanding last yeah, night. Yeah. Because he wasn't so hostile either. Yeah, he had to be a little bit. They probably, someone had a word with him, which I would love to have been have privy to. Yeah. Highest must, rated Sky thing ever, we could see that. Yeah, I, I think it would have just been a matter of saying, no, no, Roy, you can be you can be a dick, but we won't pay you. Um, <laughs> if you want to get paid, don't be a dick. I love so, Roy Keane, man. He was one of my favourite players, and I yeah. think he's a really, really great a great addition, and last yeah. night he was when, he, when, you, when you rein him in a little bit yeah. he was just so good to listen to some, some really good insights but on that That's goal on that goal I felt like Ashley Young switched off a little bit he saw You're the flag right. he assumed the whistle would go played to the whistle by all means but the, the, it should be a given that the linesman should not flag unless he's 100% certain and he can't have been 100% certain because he was nowhere near offside I just think it, it puts players he's, off. He's, it, it, but he's made the wrong decision and Ashley Young's not played to the whistle. And yeah. you have to. And even if... Absolutely. Uh, like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that Young didn't go. He's a club captain as well. So he stopped. Club captains should take the pleasure, like, Absolutely. do everything they can. Because even, at the very least, he could have uh, put some pressure on him and he would have seen yeah. him coming. Yeah. So it, it was a great finish, but it was a, a finish that befitted someone that had time and calmness about them. Whereas if you have a bit of doubt in your mind, yeah. those finishes yeah. are difficult. Yeah, I just think that the, the, the directive has to be clearer on, yeah. on the flag going up. Just don't do it. NFL's had a similar thing this season where referees are flagging and they've realised, oh, yeah, we yeah, should have yeah. not done anything and let them carry on till the end of it. Right. It's, it's, it's difficult. VAR is having teething problems and actually the Aubameyang goal showed why VAR's there because that was a howler from the linesman. Yeah. And that would have been an absolute disaster had he not let that goal stand. Well, there we go. There we go. The wo- Mark has spoken. I've spoken. I totally agree on the, the officials, though. I think officials just like to be involved in the game and like to make Don't decisions. Don't forget I'm here. Um, Don't forget me, they're saying. Yeah. Sad. And League Two, particularly with some of the League Two games I've been covering, is, uh, very much say that. And even say the Chelsea Grimsby game. Chelsea, they were eager to give decisions against the lower league team as if they should have been punished for being not as good as yeah, Chelsea. Right, and right. you're just like, the man, they were having little chats with Ross Barkley when he's passing him and stuff. It's like, all right, mate. Who's your least favourite ref? Oh, it's good. So Moss was in the league. He was he was doing our games when I was playing, mm. and um, used to have some very funny conversations with him. Basically, I used to try and push his buttons to the point of so I would say things so 
sarcastically to see not swear at him but just wind him up give, um, give me an example uh, on the just play going oh that was good wasn't it uh, that's a foul just, Martin sort yourself out no just, more of that just be slightly cheeky to him I think um, you know I said and if a player another player called him a wanker I was like he's just called you a wanker and then he stopped the game and booked me and he went you can't I, went, I didn't call you a wanker though <laughs> I mean, he called you a wanker and if you hadn't I was just merely signposting and he was like don't speak to me like that. I'd have sent you off immediately for every for any reason. Uh, did you call him? Those, did you call him Mister Moss? Call him Ref? Did you call him John? John call him Sir? Like John, David Ellery? Those those boots look terrible on you, John. <laughs> I don't know. I can't say. This. I wouldn't. Don't tuck your shirt, John. Don't tuck your shirt in, John. Are you? This is an insight into you, you as a schoolboy. That boy. Links Africa. Um, that sort of stuff. That yeah. sort of stuff. Anyway, well, let's move on. I'm sure it's riveting to listen. We're to. moving so on what? to the end. We finished. Yeah. That's it. Well. Uh, <laughs> So, well, well, we just watched a little bit of the Champions League. So, by the time we next speak to the guys, it's not international this weekend. There's one more before international. Yeah. Beautiful, right? Should be fun, right? Martin, nice to have you back in the studio. Was it? Genuinely lovely. And you've got a really nice top on as well. <laughs> Let's get a picture. <laughs> right, yeah, we'll put a picture out today of uh, Martin. Thanks, Leon, for the, our long suffering producer who's got a job on his hands. And thanks to. To, to me as well for being here job. and doing my best. Right, until next time, uh, see you later. Bye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.